When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Happy St. Patrick's Week, everybody. Yes, we've an old day off in the middle of the week. Isn't it great? Looking forward to it. Well, look, we won't be parading or celebrating. We didn't last year either, for that matter. Just listening to the news a year ago today, the public houses closed a year. God, it's a long time, isn't it? I'd love a pint. I would. I'd love to be able to go into my local and meet the lads, especially the Wednesday crew, and have the crack. We're keeping in touch on WhatsApp and things like that now and again. But look, it's just not the same, is it? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed it will happen in this calendar year. I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. And indeed, we're going to be talking about it a little bit later on in the show about the whole area of vaccinations. You're familiar what happened with the AstraZeneca, the pausing of it. Millions of vaccines. Those millions are on the way. And Sarah Carey wrote a very interesting column about it in The Independent the weekend. She's a brilliant journalist. She's joining me a little bit later on in the show. What about the uh, year of masks? Ladies, what about your eyebrows? You know, the eyebrows are the most important important thing and the one things you can see on the visage in this last year clearly when you're out and about Elizabeth Oakes is an expert and she's joining me on the show to talk about it Leon Blanche is back on Monday yes he's normally here Friday why is he here Cheltenham starts tomorrow oh he's a lovely preview for you lots of tips in there as well you don't want to miss that one if you're going to have a wee flutter over the next four days Leon with us on the show just after half past two today Maggie Norton was illegally adopted she's talking to us she wants to help others who were uh, illegally adopted as well to find their parents if she can at all their mums and dads and that's going to be interesting indeed if you want to join in the conversation on the show don't forget the numbers 086 1800 658 you can text or whatsapp me at any stage 1850-715-958 if you are going to call into the show now, what else was I to say to you? Yeah, just before we begin, there's a real interesting one I saw the weekend. Did you know that in the last year here in Ireland, we have spent, listen to this, an additional €2 billion Euro on groceries. €2 billion, folks, extra spent in the last year. wonder why is that? Are we eating more? It's because we're not going out more. What's it, about two billion? Isn't that some amount of money? So the uh, multiples are doing really well. Just a little uh, story I noticed in the papers over the weekend. Now, beginning the week, uh, let me uh, tell you what we're going to talk about. 
Paul Gallagher was murdered in July 2014. He was last seen leaving his home in Dunamede after 10 o'clock at night on Monday the 28th of July. His body was subsequently found near Cullen two days later by his sister and eldest brother. Paul had been shot four times. His killers have never been brought to justice. However, just over a week ago, a man called Sean Barrett was jailed for six months for withholding information about the case. I'm joined now on the show by Paul's mother, Jer, and his sister, Marie, who have been speaking about their nightmare that continues seven years on. Welcome to the the show, ladies. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me. Gerald, begin with yourself, Mammy. How are you? I've, uh, your vi- victim impact statement for a number of days now. I've been going through it in and out several times, and I have to say my heart goes out to you uh, as I read it. Not easier even these years later, Ger. No, very difficult. And when you think yesterday was Mother's Day, and instead of Paul taking flowers to me, I was taking flowers to put on his grave to him. Mm. You know, which at 26 years of age, you don't expect, you don't expect to be doing it at any age for any of your children. No, a worst nightmare if ever there were one. Just uh, paint a picture of him for a moment for listeners. What kind of a lad was he? I know he was big into his sport. He was a fine sportsman, wasn't he? He was. He was. Uh, he, he loved hurling. He played football and hurling for our local Trinity Gales team here. Um, he was very good at hurling. They had won the Dublin Fela there in 2000. Uh, he was on the winning team. I'm very proud of his gold medal. Um, he, he, he was a very kind and caring and happy person. Everybody liked him. He brought so much happiness and joy to our lives. And he was a very sincere and true friend. And he'd always lend a helping hand to anyone who needed him. Um, He was just a lovely young Mm. lad, you know, Mm. growing up. He's left behind a twin, a son, a 91-year-old grandmother, myself, his mum, his dad, his sister and his elder brother. And, 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 and you nieces know, and nephews. Yes, yes, cousins. you're a big extended family. I was going to say that. Yeah, you are. And, you know, he, he served his apprenticeship as a plumber. And then, of course, we had the crash of the Celtic Tiger and so many in that area, you know, with no work. And he had a place, actually, I know, secured in college uh, for the September uh, of the year he was actually murdered. No, I suppose people will say this. You know, and, and the question came to me as well. Had had he ever any trouble in his life or did he get into trouble that you knew of, Ger? He was a typical young lad growing up. He did get into trouble. He had some convictions for driving offences and that was the extent of it. Nothing else um, ever that you nothing, knew of or sinister or anything like that at all? Not that we were aware of before his death, absolutely not, no. Yeah. He, he, you know, he was going back to college. He had secured a job, which meant he had to go to college to do six months. It was a communications, um, a telecommunications. And he did six months on the job, six months in college. And he had secured that place for the September. Mm. That job obviously didn't didn't happen. He had worked at odd jobs throughout when the building trade went yes. took the downturn and he was quite good at uh, in the art plastering you know for houses mm. and that mm. but again that building work all Yes, yes, I understand. Now, this guy last week, uh, the week before, late the week before, Sean Barrett, 
he two years he got uh, 18 months of it suspended so he'll serve six months you obviously know this lad because he was with your son uh, around the time that he was actually murdered this sentence that he has received now um, are you hoping that this will ultimately lead to the identification of his killers your son's killers well, Sean Barrett withheld information in the first 11 months of the inquiry to the Gardaí. He subsequently told the Gardaí 11 months later that he had previ- he gave first names of two people um, in the Drogheda area and he said he had previously travelled to a property in County Louth. He advised the Gardaí to meet one of the men and one of those men had subsequently travelled with him to Bally McCann the night Paul was murdered. Um, Sean Barrett would advise that he was Paul's best friend growing up. I certainly only knew Sean Barrett from May 2014, calling to my house. Right, so his claims don't sit comfortably with you, that he was not lifelong. Not 100%, no. He, my, my twins would have known him from around the area, but not as best pals mm. or anything. He didn't go to school with them. He didn't play hurling football or soccer with them. OK. And uh, just to let listeners know, on that fateful uh, day, night and evening uh, time, all around that date, um, Sean and your son and two other gentlemen travelled to near Cullen, where ultimately uh, your son's body w- was found. Um, he, he has been convicted of, of withholding evidence um, I, I can't assume anything. I, d- does he know these guys? Do you believe he knows the people? He said you said he gave two. Did you say two uh, Christian names or a full two name? Christian names. Yeah. It was announced, we only found this out in court last um, on Friday the fifth. Mm. He, he gave two Christian names to the Gardaí and I think an address or directed. You know. Uh, the the name or the address of the property. Um, Mm. The DPP have not procured any or sent out any charges with relation to a murder charge with Mm. that information. And and that leaves us distressed. You know, he he did apparently give information 11 months later. Do I think he knew them? He says he knows one of the men. He said he had travelled to that house with Paul yeah. Um, on a number of occasions. Now, the night that they drove to Ballymacan, Sean Barrett drove my son there and they picked up the two men at the crossroads in Tully Allen, which would lead you to ask, you know, why didn't he pick them up in Drogheda? Mm. Yes. He picked them up in Tully Allen and drove out some 12 kilometres out into the countryside, very remote Mm. area. Mm. So there's, you know, a lot, there's a lot of things don't fit uh, with you. That's there's basically, a lot yeah. of information yes. needed, absolutely. And um, I would appeal to anyone, and the, the, uh, you may have seen the blue Subaru Impreza, the detectives are looking for information on that car, which was seen in Drogheda on the night of Paul's murder. That car may not be from Drogheda, it may be from another area, but if anyone has information it was in Drogheda on the night of the murder. And it is, the Gardaí are looking for information in relation to it. And I'd also ask, people may have small bits of information that they don't think is relevant. But no matter how small the information is, it may have a huge impact on the investigation. Yes. And it may, 
you know, there's there's a person or persons going out there at the moment who are involved in my son's murder. I would not like that, that to happen any other family. And and these people, if they're allowed to stay out there, may hurt or murder other mm. people's mm. sons. Yeah, and that in praise, uh, blue in praise is an unusual type of car. It certainly is. And the date we're talking about, folks, is July 28th. Uh, 2014. Let me bring your daughter into the conversation. She's waiting patiently there. Marie, hello. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me on the show. Look, you had the awful scenario of actually going to that field outside Cullen where your brother's body lay. I'm sure that haunts you every moment of the day. It does. It gets a little bit easier with time, but it's still there. It's there when you wake up in the morning and it's there last thing at night. And to think that somebody could leave any person dead, dying in a field without getting help, I I don't understand that mentality. I'm not. I would be one who would do anything to help anyone as Paul would have. Mm. Paul wouldn't have left anyone dead, dying or otherwise injured in the fields miles and miles away from home without any help. Yeah, so just to to tell uh, our listeners today, Sean Barrett took you there, you and your brother. He did. And we did ring the Gardaí and Drogheda before we left. And... The Garda who answered the phone told us he didn't have an issue with us going up to check the field. Um, For whatever reason, I don't think he believed what we were saying. But he drove us up and it is really remote. I mean, you wouldn't... It took me at least 10 times going, travelling back up there before I got lost, before I didn't get lost. Yeah. So it's not as if um, you would remember on your first, second or third drive up there. Mm. So he took you there and, uh, you know, he he told the story that uh, your mum relayed there that he was driving, your brother was with them, two other men were involved. He was asked to walk away when they arrived there and he did hear shots ring out and he ran then, he says, and raised the alarm with somebody locally who uh, really didn't want to entertain him. But then the police were rang at that stage. The police were found on the Monday night, yeah. Yeah, so they got a call on that Monday night, yeah. They did get a call Mm. on the Monday night as well. And, um, you know, uh, he was missing. Obviously, this is out of character for your brother. I know your mum has said this as well. This wouldn't be like him uh, to do something like this, Marie. Completely out of character. And Paul, even if he wasn't coming home would ring and say, I won't be home tonight. So we kind of, by the Tuesday, Mam knew there was definitely something wrong. And Mam had rang me on the Wednesday and she said, Paul hasn't been home since the Monday. And I knew there was something wrong. That is not like Paul with no contact, no nothing to anybody, no message, no phone call to either ourselves, girlfriends, friends, nobody. Mm. 
Uh, and yet this guy who has been jailed now, Sean Barrett, did come forward then belatedly and, you know, took you to the area where subsequently uh, the body was found. You know, are you hopeful, uh, Marie, at this stage still, you know, we're almost seven years on this July that, you know, you will get justice ultimately, that somebody will be brought to boot or brought before the courts charged here? Yes, and I mean, I suppose all we have, Jerry, is hope. Yeah. Because no, no other family, I would not wish this on anyone or anyone's family for this to happen. I mean, we don't know why Paul was murdered. We don't know why it happened, where it happened. We, I know four shots, uh, Sean Barrett had said four shots. We don't even know if that's true because we can't have an inquest. We have to wait for the appeal to go out and then see if anybody else is going to be charged. And then maybe an inquest will take place. And like we're, we're seven years on now. So people may think, oh, should they're seven years on? This is only starting for us really now. Because there was charges before the court, we weren't allowed to do an appeal. The DPP would not allow us to do an appeal for information. Mm. So we need this appeal to be done and anyone with any bit of information, anything, if they could ring in, please, because these people should not be allowed to do this. What would you say to Sean Barrett? Uh, let me go back to your ma'am, yeah. uh, Ger. What would you say to Sean Barrett if you were sitting across the table from him today? What would you ask him to do, Ger? Well, I suppose at this stage he has been charged with withholding information. Because he has been charged with that, he now does not have to give the further information. He he has chosen to do a six-month out of a two-year sentence that, that with 18 months suspended. That's what the judge gave him. He has decided um, to continue, really, withholding any further information. He certainly has far more information, as do others. Mm. And we were we found out in court, as I say, on the Friday, that it is believed that others around the Drogheda area, and I would appeal to people, you know, girlfriends, sisters, mothers, brothers, associates, whatever, of those people involved to please come forward with information. It's, it's horrendous. And as Marie says, although it's seven years on, Jerry, it, it, the hurt... For me, the mother, does it never goes away. The horror, we relive that day. The grief, the waiting on the phone call when they left in the car. And you must remember that they, my, brother, my son and daughter had to drive back down from Drogheda with Sean Barrett in the car. He hasn't given the information. I would plead with him. I don't think he's going to give it. But I do think that there are others out there who can give it. Mm. Sometimes, and, sometimes you know, a conscience does <laughs> awaken. You know what I mean? And people, I, yes. I'd never give up hope on that, that that might not happen. But the reason you're both with me today is because we are here in LMFM Radio in the heart of the area where your son's body was found seven years ago and the people listening today who may have information. And uh, we hear what you're saying and you, you feel exactly the same, Maria, just making this appeal from the heart today. Yes, exactly the same. Anybody with information. No matter, Jerry, how small they think it is, yeah. it could have a huge impact. And it's the Guardian, Navin, or any 
Garda station on the confidential line. Yes. And, and Garda have said that anyone giving information will be treated totally with, with sensitivity and confidentiality. You want closure. I'm listening. That's what basically I'm hearing from both of you today. You want to know what happened. You want closure. And you do want those who create, who, uh, oh my God, ended a young man's life to be, uh, charged and brought before the law in this country. I hear everything you're saying. I have the numbers here today. I wish you well. And I do concur with what both you say. You wouldn't believe it, folks, but even a, a small piece of information can sometimes unlock the door and uh, this investigation will move on. I think of you and I wish you well and I hope uh, that this information comes sooner rather than later to help with the uh, shocking predicament that you still find yourselves in today. Geraldine and Marie, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't it shocking? You know, when somebody is, their life is taking taken and the family don't understand why. They, these people genuinely do not know. They do not know why. I'll give you those numbers. Navin Garda Station is 046 That's 046 Navin Garda Station are at any stage uh, confidential, uh, confidentiality guaranteed on the Garda confidential line 1-800- 666111. That's 1 800 666 111. If you know anything, please pick up the phone and call. You know the way you be slagging me about the royal family. Well, listen to this just to put it in perspective the royals and the interest here in the Republic of Ireland. Did you know that more people watched the Oprah interview with the royal family? and watched the All-Ireland hurling final in Ireland last year. Fact. When it was on last Monday night, Clare Byrne Live, very popular show, attracted an audience of 145,000 viewers. At the same time, on Network 2 or RT2, whatever you call it, 725,000 people tuned in to watch Opera and the Royals. I rest my case. Is there an interest in this country? Sure, there's an interest in this country, a big interest. A lot of people don't like to admit it. And I'm not saying, listen, you can be Irish to the core and have an interest in the royal family. Some people think you can't be like that, but you can. You can indeed. But some people might think it's a contradiction. Perhaps it is. But there you are. More watch that than the All-Ireland Hurling Final. And Claire got a battering last Monday. God almighty. She did indeed. Anyway, she's back on this evening. I'm sure there'll be plenty about the vaccines. We're talking about it a little later on on the show as well and more besides. And I have an update on Slab for you. He was 16 on Saturday. Happy birthday, Slab. I've been talking to his mum and I have an update on that and more besides for you a little bit later on in the show. Well, it's been on to say, Jerry. I heard you mention there two billion more spent uh, this year uh, on groceries. In my opinion, the reason is that people are actually cooking more at home. And with restaurants closed and people staying at home, they have more time. They're learning to cook, Jerry. It's really, really good. And perhaps even they're cooking at times instead of getting a takeaway. Thank you indeed. And that's a very good point and, and well made indeed. I was just thinking, I was trying to remember a year since the pubs closed. Where did I have my last point? Do you remember when you had your last point? I'm sure maybe people have it written on a calendar where they had their last point. Bit of crack. Where did you have your last point? Do you remember? Was it? It must have been this weekend. 
before the Patrick's weekend last year. If you care to tell me, 086-1800-658, you can WhatsApp or text me. I could call in as well on 1857-15958. Don't anybody tell me they had their last point this weekend gone past or recently. Because that will really annoy me if I hear something like that. It's a year ago since the pub's closed and you shouldn't have been next or near a pub in the last year. And I say it again, if any pub had anybody under the roofs, under the roofs in the last year, well, my oh my, shame on your house. Uh, plague on you because you shouldn't have. And we're talking about wet pubs, of course. If there was food served, there was a time, of course, last year. You could go when you had a substantive meal slice of pizza don't get me started on that one wet pubs we're talking about anyway uh, we move on on late lunch this afternoon illegal adoptions the whole area mother and baby homes adoptions sure it's been dominating our news for a month now and I'm joined on the line by a lady who was illegally adopted herself she's spoken to us before here on LMFM radio and now she wants to help others Maggie Norton hello again how are you, Jerry? How are things? I'm really good. It's great to hear from you today. And my oh my, since you spoke here, did you expect the tsunami that we're after, you know, hearing about and still what's to come down the road? There's more here, isn't there? Oh, look, you know, I'm not a bit surprised because even from my own journey, I spoke to lots of, you know, mothers and children. I do always call them babies, but like they were, you know, mothers and children. So I'm not really surprised at all um, by the vast amount that, you know, has come to light, even in the last couple of weeks. Mm, um, you know, there is nothing, there's nothing that anybody could tell me now that would shock me because I know how big of a deal this is. I know that <clears throat> Tusla and the other authorities, like what they've unveiled, the little bit of information they've kept, that they've given is only the tip of the iceberg, really. Yeah, I suspect myself, that's why I said that there, that there really is yeah. a deluge more to come. Just remind our listeners again about you. 1972, you're only three days old and you were handed to your adoptive parents in a car park. Through the window of the car, in a car park. Um, yeah, in a hotel, three days old. Um, I started off, you know, as one person in the hospital and then, you know, within three days had my identity completely changed. And your mother's circumstances, because I know we're going to talk about this in a moment, you you, you have reconnected with your birth parents. Yeah. What was her say? Was she a young girl at the time, single? Yeah, she was young. Look, it, it would be wrong to say she was single because she's still with my dad now. Yes. Um, but they weren't married at the time. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, young, look, at got pregnant, um, no big deal. Like I said, I said this to somebody last week, the creation of a baby is something very special. It's a very lovely thing. Um, it was the circumstances of how she was made feel at the time. Um, look, they, like I said, they were young. They felt that they weren't in a position at that time of their lives to give this little being, um, you know, the right start. So... To my mind, they did the right thing, you know, and I did go to a very loving family. I have no issue whatsoever with my upbringing. Um, we were, I was, you know, very much loved, got the best of everything. Um, and yeah, I had no, there was no issue. There was never a light bulb moment to, you know, we never sat down around the table and had this big chat about this terrible thing that was after happening. I was 
you know, it was it was never anything like that. Mm. But did you know? Did they tell you? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. You knew. I you knew. knew. Yeah. I don't ever remember, because this has come up quite a bit in the last, even in the last fortnight, I never remember not knowing. Yeah. Mm. And that says a lot about your adoptive, your lovely adopted parents and family as well. Again, you, something, <laughs> isn't it interesting? When it came to your turn to be a mum yourself. Yeah. That really was, wasn't it, the moment that prompted you to say, who am I really? Oh, very, yeah, very much so. Like, you know, being being a mum, being pregnant even, is, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a huge deal in, in everybody's lives. Um, so I would have always struggled with who I looked like. It was, this was always a, such a big thing for me. Um, and all of a sudden I was going to create along with my husband, this, you know, small baby who was going to look like, who was going to look like one of us. You know, or both of us, or have the characteristics, and I always longed to know who I looked like, um, because I knew I had to look like somebody. So yeah, it became very much, um, you know, I suppose really you could probably say a bit of an obsession with me to find out at that point who I was. Did you encounter severe difficulty finding out who your parents ultimately were, or how did that go for you? Oh. You know, there was no paperwork. There was nothing whatsoever. Um, Everything that I had was fabricated and false. Um, I had a birth cert that said that I was born in the surgery of Dr. Irene Creedon. That wasn't true. I had, you know, on the same birth cert that had my adopted parents on it. That wasn't true. Um, And the only part on it that was true was the fact that I was female. Thank God. But, you know, there there was nothing on it. So I had no, I had nowhere to start. And I think this is why I'm so passionate about this now. I, I want to help somebody else who who is travelling this road in the same shoes that I was in. And I don't want anybody to be as disheartened as I was. You know, I want people to know that there is ways of doing this. And I want to be able to lend my experiences. Look, at, we're not making any false promises either, but I want to lend our experiences to somebody else who's sitting at home today looking at a birth there thinking, oh my God, that there is a way around this. There is always, there is yeah. always another way. Yeah, and you found a way. How did you find that way? What was the big breakthrough for you? It, it was the DNA. Mm. We did, um, my husband suggested getting um, an ancestry DNA test. So we did that. Um, and I, during, you know, when I got the results back off that test, it matched me with a first cousin who I wasn't familiar with. And when I say that, I mean wasn't on my adopted side of the house. Right. So she was very helpful. We had, you know, a long conversation. And suddenly it went from complete and utter despair, not being able to get any information, to probably five or six people in the whole world that my, my mother could be. Isn't that like amazing? It was, it was life-changing. Yeah, amazing. It really is. And it should act as a spur and hope to people, as you say, who may be listening to us today in despair and not knowing where they go with this. When you eventually tracked your mum down and ultimately your dad as well, as you mentioned, they've been together ever since. Yeah. What was the reception like? Come back to that, you know, when you make the first contact. 
Well, when I made the first contact, it was actually, I wrote, um, I wrote a very simple card and posted it to them. And it was actually my dad that made the first contact back with me. Um, which to my mind was, a, you know, a very brave and courageous thing to do because I know from the men I know, they would have been saying, oh, no, this is not for me now. I'm out of here. You know, so he did make a very brave move and make that call and, like, completely accepted me for who I was, for what I was right from the get-go. Um, you know, and it was it was just, it was a lovely moment when he phoned. Now, I was petrified. Um, but it was, you know, it was a lovely moment. And, of course, then you meet your mum. You have a, a younger brother and sister as well. This is a, yeah. a, a fantastic story. It's hard. Oh, yeah. and, and this is the thing. This is what I want, you know, to say to people. There, Look, at, there's lots of unhappy endings, but there is a huge possibility that somebody else could get as lucky as I did. Um. You know, and you have to keep trying. There's, you know, there really is no point sitting at your kitchen table saying, you know, I, you know, I'm not getting any information here. I'm not getting any help here. I know that feeling because I know nobody helped me. And this is why I am so passionate about wanting to help somebody else. And like I said, I'm not going to give anybody any sort of false promises. But the promise I will make is that I will do my very best help somebody else out, to get somebody else the result that I have got. No better woman, may I say, to uh, listeners today to help you because here is somebody who's been through the ringer, through the mill with this and it is a really, really fantastic outcome. Today, like for your own family, especially your children as well, to have that circle closed is priceless, Maggie. Yeah, and actually... You know, it's funny because my kids look very like my brother's kids. Now, my brother's kids are a good bit younger. You know, mm. they're they're really only babies compared to the age group of my two. Mm. But they're like, I mean, they're they're absolute ringers for each yeah. other. And even when I see his children now as babies, and I look back on baby photos of mine, my two, um, like they're you know, it's it's uncanny how alike they are. Yeah. Um. You know, so it is, look at it, it is a great result. Mm. It's a result that can happen for somebody else. Um, And I just think I would appeal to anybody out there, don't sit at home today thinking, you know, this this has never happened for me. I thought that. Yeah. I thought that. But it can happen. And it can happen for somebody who's sitting looking at a birth cert. And it might be the only document that they have and realising that it's false as well, please don't get disheartened. Come forward. You know, let us try. Mm. How, how do people get in touch with you? Because you, this is now a passion of yours. And, and I want to say again, just to, to reiterate some words you said there, you're going to do your best. You can't guarantee. There's no even guarantee you can take on every case. But if people want to get in touch with you, because this is a project now that you are working on into the future, how do they get in touch with you? Well, I'm at the moment, I'm working, we're look at, we're in a very early developmental stage with a company called WaddellMedia.com. Yeah. We are going to try and make a documentary out of this um, insofar as to see, you know, regular people try to work their way through this. Mm. 
to give everybody a little bit of hope out there that that the regular people can do this. Yeah. Um, so we're working alongside with them, um, a great team of, you know, men and women. Um, there is nobody going to, you know, arrive with a camera at your door. We do, certainly don't want to intimidate anybody. We just want to help people. And actually, you know, the media company are as passionate about this as I am because we have been speaking for, you know, nearly the best part of a year. Mm. And they're as keen now, having listened to me for a full year nearly, they're as keen yes. to try and help somebody out as well. So okay. they can contact us. Um, um, I'll give you the email and then I can I yes. can send it on to you. Maybe yes, you please. might put it up on your, we your website. But it's info at waddellmedia.com. W-A-D-D-E-L-L. Okay, lovely. It's very simple, that, at waddellmedia.com. Yeah. And look, at, even if they Google Waddell yeah. uh, Media, they'll get the email on there. If they, You know, if somebody yeah. is sitting there without a pen. But, yeah, yeah look, the, the message is just come forward. Don't be sitting disheartened. You know, let's have the chat. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. And um, because I know what it's like to be sitting there in the dark days. Just final question before you leave us, and I'm so grateful that you've joined me again today on the show. How do you feel at this stage, and from what you've heard, as I mentioned in recent times and what's to come, about the state, its agents and the people who facilitated what happened to you and thousands of others? I've always said that if the doctor in question had left the door a little bit ajar for me, I had no issue doing the legwork myself. But the fact that they are now deliberately keeping people's records from them. And and that is what they're doing, because they're hiding behind GDPR now. And that's all it is. Just a guys, you know, in six months time, they'll say there'll be something else. You know, they're talking about getting this legislation through. They're talking about this being the end of the year. That's too late. It's too late for mothers who are now maybe in their 70s and 80s. It's too late for mothers who have, you know, watched all the different documentaries that have been on over the last fortnight and have decided in their own heads that I am going to look for my mother, my father, my child. Twelve months down the road is too late. They need to open the records now. Like people, those records should be made available in births, deaths and marriages. Simple as, and I couldn't agree with you more. I say here, here to that, just before you go, Kathleen Tute, we spoke to Kathleen about her story in uh, recent times as well. And Kathleen's just messaging me to say she's listening to you today and says, well done to you, Maggie. You're so right. Never, ever give up. It took me 55 years to find. Yeah, and look, I'm, you know, I've spoken to Kathleen, you know, message-wise and all that. And, you know, it is people like her who are just so dogged that say, you know, we are not going to be bet down by this. Mm. And, and you know, the main thing now, the message to go out to the government now is that we are not going to go away. This needs to be brought to a head. They're talking about this. I'm on my third Minister for Children. Yeah. You know, and they've all promised me all sorts. And I'm still, you know, rewriting the same emails. And it, this is not for me. Because I know my roots now. This is for other people. Because I know the journey they're on. I know the tears they're crying. I know the roads that they're going to have to travel in order to get 
their own information. Mm. They're not interested in looking for anybody else's information. They're just looking for their own. And it is an absolute entitlement may I say to finish Maggie you're fantastic info at waddellmedia.com that's w-a-d-d-e-l-l media.com get in touch there if you're affected or you are somebody who has been illegally adopted and you do not know who your parents are for the moment Maggie Norton thank you so much thanks Jerry. take care bye bye isn't she a wonderful lady she really really is a fantastic woman again I say to you info at waddellmedia.com if you want to get in touch and follow up on what we've just been chatting about. Late Lunch LMFM Radio, if you're just joining us, welcome to the show. If you're listening on the app, great for you, your smart speaker, on the radio, wherever, online, lmfm.ie. We're delighted to have you with us this Monday afternoon on Late Lunch. Still to come, we're looking ahead to Cheltenham. If you're thinking of having an owl flutter now, look, there's a little one. Liam Blanche from Boyle Sports previews the Cheltenham meeting shortly and eyebrows. Yes, eyebrows, ladies. Maybe gents. I'm going to find out anyway. Lizzie Oakes is with us in a little while. You do know by this stage I'm walking 40 days and staying off the beer for 40 nights for a young man. He was 16 on Saturday, Slav Vavro. Happy birthday, Slav. Yes, he's been on a cancer journey since he was 13. And I've decided to do this to highlight his plight three years on after... Two major trips abroad for uh, major surgery and another procedure recently here in Ireland and all that goes with it. An oxygen chamber had to be bought. It cost €65,000. And three years on is a long time. And I wanted to highlight it again. And it's going great, to be honest with you. And uh, I got a lovely donation today from Mary. She says, it's a lovely card. A hug for you. Hi, Jerry. The hugs are for you, but the donation is for Slav. I don't use a card or online payment, so here's cash. You're doing a great job. Thank you, Mary. So are you. And that money has gone to Slab's mum because Nadia called in to see me just before coming on air and she gave me this card. Listen to this. We are very grateful for your amazing support and for the support we are getting, thankfully for Slav, because of what you're doing, Jerry. All kind of generous donations are helping to cover the mountain of private medical bills and the supplements for Slav. Thank you from Nadia and the Vavro family from our hearts. God, I'm touched. I really am. I just feel emotional when I read that card. And do you know what she brought me in? I, 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 uh, I'm I, doing these videos as I go along regularly. I'm putting them up on uh, social media. You can see me out walking, where I go walking, etc. Having a bit of fun with that as well to keep it going. And the Fentimins, the uh, cola I'm drinking. Because I'm not drinking beer, I'm drinking this Fentimins cola. It's lovely. She's brought me in three lovely bottles. Oh, God, I... Just say thank you so much to Nadia. And look, if you can help Slav at all, remember the GoFundMe.com page. GoFundMe Oxygen for Slav. Or if I get any cash here, I pass it on. And you know what the Celtic Supporters Club have done as well. Three and a half thousand euro from St. Margaret's, a thousand from the Drogheda Dolls and more donations besides. Every donation is appreciated. Thank you. I'm walking on. God, I'm over the hump now. Day 26 is 27 at the minute. Anyway, delighted to be helping out in any way I can. And again, I say, keep the chin up, everybody in the Vavro family. You're going great. It's been a long time and a hard struggle. I know that. But we're with you all of the way. Late Lunch LMFM Radio. Folks, it's not Friday. It's Monday. It's start of the week. And yes, you're probably thinking, what is Leon Blanche, communications manager with Boyle Sports, doing on Late Lunch today? Well, he's here because unless you're on another planet... 
tomorrow Cheltenham begins and it is the World Cup of National Hunt Racing. Leon Blanche, welcome back to Late Lunch today. Thank you very much, Jerry. How are you? I'm good, Leon. Thanks again for joining us. Well, well, well. Here we are, Leon, a year on and what a year, a strange year it's been and what difficulties horse racing has come through. But I think the next four days are going to blow away a lot of cobwebs and issues because it is the time of year when people who are not ordinarily even interested in racing turn their attentions to Cheltenham. And today, Leon, you're going to talk to us about the four big featured races of the festival. So let's begin straight away with tomorrow, Tuesday. And the pick of a great lineup on the day is, of course, the champion hurdle, Leon. Yeah, look, Jerry, it's, it's, you know, it's really setting up to be one hell of a contest. And I just hope for horse racing and for Rachel Blackmore and Henry de Bromhead that the unbeaten mare, Honeysuckle, can make it another win under her belt. They've had a good bit of rain last night. Um, Cheltenham updated they're going to soft, good to soft in places, which will really help Honeysuckle. And I just think she's electric. She's been so good. She was so impressive at Leopardstown, winning the Irish champion hurdle. I think she can add the UK champion hurdle to that crown. She is favourite at around about 5-2, to two, but I think she merits being favoured. And the big thing that herself and last year's winner, Epitant, will receive from all the geldings in the race. They get seven pounds of a mare's allowance. And I think that's just going to be too much for the likes of Goshen or Abracadabra or even Sharjah to try and peg them back. Seven pounds is a big head start. And I just hope that Rachel Blackmore, uh, come Tuesday afternoon, she'll be going by the winning post first because it would be a fantastic story for racing. Henry de Bromhead, he's one of the gentlemen in the game. He's a really, really top-class trainer, and I hope Honeysuckle can do the business. Uh, come, it used to be half three, but it's a little bit earlier now. I think the champion hurdle is five past or ten past three on, uh, tomorrow afternoon. So here's hoping Honeysuckle can get the job done. Let's move on then to Wednesday and the Queen Mother champion chase. Now, Shakun Poussois is a nine-year-old, never run at Cheltenham, but this horse has been mentioned as a, a real fancy for this one. What do you think, Leon? Yeah, look, Jerry, I'd probably have to agree. The news broke this morning that the former champion chase winner, Altior, he's not going to be around. He didn't make the festival. So that's a big blow for all his connections for trainer Nicky Henderson. But Shaquin Pursois, he actually got a stone bruise this time 12 months ago. He was all set to line up in the race. But unfortunately, that ruled him out of the race. So I really hope for him, for his owner, for Willie Mullins, who's yet to win a champion chase. I've been very impressed with Shaquan this season. He started off in Cork. Then he went to Leopardstown at Christmas. He went back to Leopardstown for the Dublin Racing Festival. And in my opinion, he seems to be getting better and better and better with every run this year. So I hope, fingers crossed, he gets there. But there is a couple of horses in here. Last year's winner, Polisilog, Noob Negra for the Dan Skelton and Harry Skelton team. For anyone who loves horse racing. Their horses have been in the best form that they've ever been in. And he's had a tremendous season. And he's bound to leave Cheltenham with a couple of winners. The other interesting runner is put the kettle on. We're all well used to doing that, Jerry. She won the Arkle last year. She's a 10-to-1 chance. She could be the each-way play if you don't like backing favourites. But I have to say, I do feel Shaquan Pursois will win the champion chase on Wednesday afternoon. I think I'll have a little flutter on Put the Kettle On. I just <laughs> love the name. <laughs> Why not? And look, Jerry, also because we've got we've got our declarations in now for Tuesday and Wednesday, 
I think another couple of kind of big races that people should be looking at um, for tomorrow, the Supreme Novices Hurdle, which is the first race that's due off at 120. I'm going to give you a horse each way. It's called Blue Lord. It's around about nine or ten to one. Trained by Willie Mullins, I think that horse can run a big, big race. And I think also another horse that should go close. And I'm expecting a big run in the final race tomorrow, Ascaria 10. Uh, it's, it's trained by Denise Foster now. Four to one chance. I think Ascaria 10 will go very well in the 450 on Tuesday. Switching over to Wednesday because we know who's running. The other grade one action on the card is the very first race of the day. It is the Ballymore Novices Hurdle over two miles five. I'm just going to go with one here that I think all Irish eyes will be hoping that Bob Ollinger can actually go and win the Ballymore because I just think he looks an exceptional young talent and hopefully we'll see him on the racetrack for many years to come. So in the Ballymore, I'm going to go for Bob Ollinger. That's obviously due off again at 1.20 on Wednesday. And the final grade one action, if you like your seafood, Here's a name that you definitely want to keep an eye on for the next couple of years, Monkfish. He's been absolutely brilliant so far this year, and I think he's going to win another grade one and win the Novice Chase, which is due off at 1.55 on Wednesday. Got plenty there for people to mull over, Leon. Now let's move on to later in the week where, as you said, declarations haven't been finalised yet. Thursday, the Stairs Hurdle is the big one, and there's two names jumping off the uh, runners there at everybody, Thyme Hill and Paisley Park. Do you go along with that? Yeah, look, absolutely. I think Paisley Park, um, he's a tremendous horse. I think when he won the Sayers Hurdle back in 2019, I think a lot of people felt this guy was going to dominate the division for the next three or four years. Unfortunately, things didn't go to plan last year. The trainer has come out and put up a very solid excuse for what went wrong. And he's a worthy favourite. But you know something, Jerry? There's a horse I've been keeping an eye on, and he's kind of come under the radar a bit. They supplemented him to win a grade one at Christmas at Leopardstown, and a horse called Flooring Porter. What a fantastic name. <laughs> he's around about an eight to one chance, trained by Gavin Cromwell in County Meath, and I actually think this horse, people are not giving him enough credit. Gavin Cromwell is a brilliant trainer. He's, very, he's actually a farrier by trade, but he's well able to train horses. I think this flooring porter each way at around 8-1, to one, that would be my opinion for the Stairs hurdle. Now we move on to Friday and the uh, final day of the festival and of course the Gold Cup. Everybody wants to win the Gold Cup and it seems this year, Leon, there's only one name in town, Al Boom Photo. Ah, look, absolutely, Jerry. A lot of people are kind of given out about this horse that we only see him at Tremor on New Year's Day and then he goes to Cheltenham. But sure, why would you change it if it's worked the last two years? He's trained by a genius in Willie Mullins. He's ridden by one of the best jockeys out there in Paul Townend. And he's trying to emulate the great Arkle and best mates who have won three Cheltenham Gold Cups in a row. I just think Album Photo, he is the one that they've all got to beat. They really do have to try and get to him. Very interesting, Royal Pigale for Venetia Williams has decided to go for the Gold Cup over trying to tackle the novice events. So it's going to be very intriguing to see how he runs in the big race. And another horse that I think has to have a huge chance is a Plutard 
who of course won the big three mile grade one at Leopardstown over Christmas. But I'm with you, Jerry. I'm sticking with Album Photo. It would be fantastic to watch at five past three when they line up on Friday afternoon. If he could win three in a row, I think that would be absolutely tremendous for the sport of horse racing. Has Leon Blanche a nap of the meeting for us? Just to say, look, this is the one I'm going to put me short on. I'm putting you on the spot, Leon, now. <laughs> okay, well, look, if, if, if I had to give you, I'm going to give you two, okay? I'm going to give you one tomorrow, Ascaria 10. Um, I think that horse can run a huge race in the final race tomorrow at 4.50. And one, maybe for the each way guys out there who like a little bit of value um, in a tough enough race, but I'm going to go for Gallopin de Champ in the very last race on Friday, due off a 10 to 5 in the Martin Pipe Hurdle. It's a 12 to 1 shot. I think it's a very good each way bet. Gallopin de Champ. And Leon, just before we go, I mentioned at the start, it's been a difficult time for racing in recent weeks and, and months, and especially here in Ireland. Now we've a fine contingent heading over there. What are your thoughts on top trainer for the meet and uh, number one jockey? Yeah, look, I think um, like the Irish are going to be well represented. Uh, some horses have moved only a couple of weeks ago to change stables, so none of us actually know, Jerry, how that's going to pan out until we see them on the racetrack. But I think Willie Mullins, he's got a really strong team once again. It's not very original, but I actually think Willie will go close. But you know someone that might just upset the apple cart a little bit is Henry de Bromhead. He's a 10-to-1 chance to be top trainer. And I just think with the ammunition he's got going into this year's festival, he could pull off a little bit of a surprise in that award. But I'm going to stick, I feel, with um, looking at the kind of winners and looking at the, the, the actual types of rides that each person has. I just probably think Paul Townend might just pip Rachel Blackmore for top jockey. But it's going to be really intriguing. I just hope from an Irish perspective, we get 15 winners, which will mean that Great Britain will only be able to get 13. It'd be great to continue our our history winning the Presbury Cup. It is a great rivalry. It's a very friendly rivalry. But I'm hoping that Ireland can get the 15 winners that they require. Leon, fantastic. There's loads there for listeners to be going on now. You're set up, folks. Now, Leon Blanche has pointed you in many directions there. It's over to you now to do the business. Leon, it's been terrific. I wish you all an enjoyable festival and everybody involved. And, uh, of course, it is one of those great sporting events of the year. Leon Blanche, Communications Manager with Boyle Sports. Thank you so much again. All the best, Jerry. 21st of December 2019, Jerry, was the last time I had a pint with my son. There's somebody knows the exact date in a pub, in a wet pub. Now, somebody was on to us to say wet pubs weren't closed. Wet pubs with no food, no food offering. You had to have the, the food offering, Maria, uh, were opening. But wet pubs have been closed. Wet pubs have been closed for almost a duration since last year, completely. That's my understanding. Wet pubs, if you didn't have food, and some places just didn't bother. They said, we're not doing any food at all, so they stayed closed. Anyway, the 21st of December 2019, another one there. In Leonard's in Cardiff, Jerry, on the last Sunday before the lockdown that was yesterday a year ago um, a truck driver's been on listening to us today I've had pints in Rotterdam Milan Rome Barcelona and Madrid <laughs> it's well for you 
through the year as I've been in those places, he or she says to us. Uh, another one there, Maguire's in Kells, 12 months ago, Jerry. I remember it as if it were yesterday, says a listener. 9th of March, the Hunters Town Inn, says Joan in RD. Jerry, I'm having a pint at home here listening to you at the minute. <laughs> That's from a can, I'm sure. Has to be, unless you have your own setup. And a late Cheltenham Bulletin. Just saw a picture there. Darver Star being loaded into the horse box, heading for Cheltenham. Will run on Thursday in the 130, uh, the 120 on Thursday. And Simon Fagan says, each way. So there you have it from the horse's mouth. Another uh, late tip for Cheltenham. She's back with us. She now has a PhD in primary and secondary education. Louise Walsh, welcome back. <laughs> to the studio. Thanks, Jerry. Glad to be back. Glad to put the books away. <laughs> was it tough? Oh, yeah, it was. It was tough. Mm. I, You know, between fractions and decimals and <laughs> countries of the world and the little fella was just bored to tears and wanted to play all day and you saw the Lego photos. We did. Oh, I only, put, I only found the last piece of it last night. We're going to be talking about that on Thursday mm. just to tell this. Just leave that till then. We'll leave you thinking about that. <laughs> anyway, you're glad to be back in. Yeah, I'm delighted. Yeah, it's been uh, a long time. It really has. And not easy when you're trying to juggle work and education and everything else that goes besides. Anyway, she's back in the hot seat for us today. Back to annoy you, Jerry, in person. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the last year didn't stop her annoying me either because <laughs> the phone just never stopped ringing night, noon and morning. But that's her job, of course. I'm a kid, that's my job. Remember that from a very famous movie? Love yes, that. Uh, yeah, wasn't it Uncle Buck? Yes, that uh, line came from. Anyway, great to have you back. And by the way, you suggested our next guest to me haven't you that we talked to our next guest tell us what your thinking is uh, was about this well it was basically that everybody was wearing face masks and women love their lippy and their lipstick and their lip fillers and when you walk out now when you go out shopping or whatever you only see people's eyes that's all so I just thought um this next guest could be very informative in what women are doing now to try and look good with face masks. Well, let's have a chat with her. She's on the line. Elizabeth Oaks, hello again. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm very good. Well, when it comes to brows and more besides on the visage, you are the expert. You heard Louise there, what she's saying about this. What are you hearing? I know, look, at you're not open for business at the moment, but are you hearing this as well, that the brows have become now more important than ever? 100%. It's actually unbelievable. We've been inundated with queries regarding when can people get their eyebrows done again. Now, I specialise in what's called permanent makeup. So permanent makeup, synonymous terms for permanent makeup is medical micropigmentation, sea brows, microblading, semi-permanent makeup. They all mean the same thing. Basically, When you come into us, we design on your eyebrows to specifically suit the proportions and structure of your face. And then, for want of a better word, we tattoo the eyebrows on. So that's you sorted. Jesus, pity I didn't uh, realise this a long time ago. I don't think fellas, look, come on, tell me this honestly. Fellas don't give a a damn really, do they, about their eyebrows? Well, you'd be surprised. I do have... Quite a few men come in to get the eyebrows. Now, people have it done for different reasons, Jerry. Like a lot of women, after they have kids or go through the menopause, they tend to lose their eyebrows. The eyebrow hair just tends to fall out. Now, a lot of women tend to blame themselves and think, oh, I overplucked as a teenager or I shouldn't have waxed them or things like this. But to be honest, 
it's a natural thing and it just happens that women's eyebrows tend to fall out. A lot of the men that I would have coming to me would be men maybe that have alopecia. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they have conditions and they want you to, to sort them out. Here's my next question. Right. If your brows fade or as you say there with different circumstances and age in life, they go away. Fine. You put in something then that's permanent. What about if I have brows that will come again or grow again? How do you deal with that? Yeah, well, we, we don't take off the original eyebrow. So we work with eyebrow that you have and we shape it and we try and keep as much of your own natural hair as possible but then what we can do is we mimic your natural hair so we do very very fine little hair strokes so no one would even know that these aren't your own they look unbelievably natural that's great to hear and I'm sure people's ears are uh, pricking up today as they listen to what you have to say. No, look, you, you, you are uh, online and people are ringing you and no one getting in touch with you, but you can't actually do what you do. What do you say to anybody listening today, you know, who's going crazy about their brows? Have you any advice for them? Now, look at the permanent thing. I hear what you're saying and what you do, but what would you say to ladies especially listening today? Forget about the fellas, come on. <laughs> Well, you know, the eyebrows really shape and frame the whole face. So at the moment when we're wearing face masks, you know, our expressions are lost because people can't see our smile. People can't see all them kind of emotions that we give out because they have these face masks on. So eyebrows are actually the next best thing. They create emotion. So when people actually design and shape on their eyebrows, it can really change their whole appearance, to be honest. So people should really work at their eyebrows. That's basically what you're saying. Well, absolutely, yeah. As I say, it does change the whole appearance. When you put on your eyebrows, I often say, you know, it can take 10 years off your appearance if your eyebrow is designed in the proper shape. Well, now, now I'm really interested. Boys are starting to take notice now when you say 10 years for sure. But look, look, seriously, Elizabeth, uh, at the end of the day, you are right because I've noticed it myself. You only see the eyes and then it is the brows that transfer the emotion. That's uh, really on the money there when you say that. Look, what are you hearing? When are you going to get back? What's what's your hope or what are you, what's the going on on the ground? Are you hearing any whispers when you'll be back at work? Well, oh, the sooner the better. I think hard to believe that a year has passed. Now, we did. We were able to open up when the restrictions lifted. Mm. Um, but we would always kind of be booked nearly six months in advance. So now it's like... Oh, God, I just can't wait till we have word of when we can open up and then at least we can reschedule everyone and book in the new clients, you know? Mm. And it's popular, isn't it? This has become more... You mentioned, look at the waiting list you've had as well. If you can do something that uh, fixes it there for a time. The other thing is this. Does it need maintenance tip-ups after a period of time? Yeah, my motto is it's very easy to add, but you just can't take it away. So I always say permanent makeup is a two-step process. So when you come in to me, we do the initial treatment. Now, when you have the initial treatment, it's always a little bit of a shock, let's say, initially, because it's a lot darker and more intense than what it's going to fade to. It takes about a week to go through the process where it heals, peels, and fades. And then it becomes a lot softer and more natural. And then 
after a month, you've gotten very used to it. And that's when I recommend after one month, within six months, you come back to us and you could say, do you know what, Elizabeth, I'd really like them more defined. I'd like them a little bit darker. I think this one needs to be a bit longer or whatever the case may be. And it's very easy to add more, but we just can't take it away. That's uh, real sound advice. In the meantime, if people want to get in touch with you, are you still available for consultations or calls or to answer people online, Elizabeth? Yeah, they can follow my Instagram and Facebook. It's Elizabeth Oaks Treatments. Or we have our website, which is elizabethoaks.ie. There you are. All the information is available there. And you hear people saying, oh, sure, I couldn't be bothered. You know, I keep the pyjamas on all day. I don't get out of the slippers. I never do the makeup. Come on, it's time after year to get going. Isn't it, Elizabeth, again? Come on, we have to shake ourselves down. Get the, get the brows done for a start. Get the brows done and I'm telling you, if you're 10 years younger, they won't know you when you go home. <laughs> oh, we love Elizabeth Oaks today. 10 years younger, we're all switched on. Lovely to talk to you. Wish you well and I hope you're back in business soon. Thank you for taking our call, Elizabeth. Thanks, Terry. Bye-bye. 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 She's brilliant, isn't she? So just a bundle of fun, that woman. She really is. News just breaking that Germany has now suspended uh, the Oxford uh, COVID jab to investigate matters further. So that seems to be uh, now uh, across Europe. So don't feel we're the only ones let down by this. And we will be talking about vaccinations with journalist Sarah Carey after three. And I will be playing my first song and telling you about the life of a young woman who left us all too young. Who am I talking about? Who is my artist of the week? Well done to Cartoon Saloon. They've done it again. Yes, another Academy Award nomination. They were nominated for The Breadwinner, Song of the Sea, The Secret of Kells and Late Afternoon. Now they've been nominated for Wolf Walkers and it's regarded highly. It really is. Well done to them. They're based in Kilkenny and they've collaborated with a crew from Luxembourg and they're up for an Oscar. Well done to them. Listen to this, Jerry. I was adopted for 60 years I thought I was alone but when I went looking to see if I had brothers or sisters I found that I have one brother and two sisters but Jerry you have to be prepared prepared for what you find I'm very happy now don't give out my name no I won't lovely to hear from you we're all in our 60s now and delighted that we've found each other thank you indeed for that lovely message and that following on from our conversation about illegal adoptions with Maggie Norton earlier on in the show now my artist of the week you've guessed a few of you have guessed but sorry you're not on the mark but one woman is Maraid picked it up and the clue was very general, I have to say. Yes, my artist of the week is Amy Jade Winehouse. She was born on the 14th of September 1983 into a Jewish family in London. They were a musical crew. Amy's gran and uncles were all accomplished jazz singers and musicians. Her dad, Mitch, sang Sinatra songs. And it was her grandmother, Cynthia, who encouraged Amy to develop her incredible vocal talent at the Sylvia Young Theatre School. Her parents separated when she was nine. She actually lived with her mother, Janice, and stayed at weekends with Mitch. She bought a guitar when she was 14 and began writing her own songs. 
She became, did you know this, an entertainment journalist. That seemed to be the career she was following. Uh, Working for the World Entertainment News Network. But it wouldn't be long before she became the one being written about by others. Amy became the featured female vocalist with the National Youth Jazz Orchestra in the UK. And then a friend sent a demo tape to an artist and repertoire person and Winehouse was signed up immediately by Simon Fuller at the age of 19 in 2002. She released her first album called Frank in October 2003 and it achieved platinum sales and Amy was nominated for many awards in 2004 and indeed made her debut at Glastonbury. Her career was really on an upward a trajectory at that stage. So today, Amy Winehouse, what am I going to opt for? Yes, here it is. It's her signature song. Yeah, Amy Winehouse, my artist of the week on Late Lunch this week. Her signature song, autobiographical. Yes, it really was. Three Grammys it won and an Ivor Novello Award. Simply brilliant. More from Amy about her life and her music tomorrow around the same time on Late Lunch. She's coming, she's coming. They're asking us, where is Sarah Carey? Yes, she's coming next on Late Lunch. Stay with us. Sarah Carey, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Great to talk to you again. I love reading you. I have to say, you are just wonderful. I love your opinions. And on Saturday last, let me just tell listeners, the headline to your column in The Independent was EU strategy was sound and the vaccine is on the way. So don't lose the head. Tell them the truth. You nearly lost the head yourself recently. I did. And, you know, it's funny. Like, this has all been so trying and people go through waves where they're coping fine and then they hit walls. So I hit my wall and lost the head when my father, whom, you know, the former councillor, Bill Carey, he got his vaccine, which was fantastic. He's 86. So he was in the first cohort. And then we were waiting for a few days in total frustration for my mother, who's a sprightly 84, to get her vaccine. And in those couple of days, Having been calm for ages, I definitely lost the head and I was ringing the GP, giving out and where was it? And you start to wonder, is there incompetence? Is there unfairness? Is someone else getting it that shouldn't be getting it? Why aren't you getting it? And then, of course, she got it and everything was fine. And it was a real lesson for me, Jerry, in how the closer you get to this, you know, the harder it is. And it doesn't do us any good to be panicking and wondering what's going on. The call will come and we will get our vaccines and we just have to keep the head. And that's the spite, as you know, isn't it? Just such a moving feast, Sarah, even since you wrote this. Look what's happened with AstraZeneca. We've halted it. Germany have just announced a number of countries. But we have to say again, this is just a precaution. I think everybody's trying to tell people this, but you're right. Do you know what it's like? Do you know when you can see the finishing line? I know what you're talking about. It's just there, Sarah, but we can't get over it, you know. Yeah, and the AstraZeneca thing, you know, I've been thinking about the different ways that different governments are managing this. And I know we're looking on enviously at the UK and how fast they've been vaccinating people. And indeed, my husband is from Belfast, so his mom and three sisters have all had their first shot off the vaccine for different reasons. But, you know, the Tories have approached this in a completely different way and they got lucky. But I'm not sure it's a way that actually Irish people would want it managed, you know. So they went in very early, banking everything on AstraZeneca. And they did. And so they approved it early before the European Medicine Agency had done it. 
And then they did things like where they've given like 11 million people the first shot, but not the second shot yet, because they believe that it's better to have more people kind of three quarters immunized than a smaller group of people 100 percent immunized. But we've been taking a slower approach all the time. And that's on the one hand deeply frustrating, but it does mean that people know no one is rushing this because there's a panic on. We are doing things the safest possible way. So as hard as it is, would you really want people rushing over this and then regretting it in six months' time if it turned out there was a problem with it? You know, so uh, they're doing the right thing, I think, mm. as hard as it is. You know? I love this. I want to read this to this is what you say. <laughs> the EU is a global good neighbour. Unlike the UK and the US, the EU is exporting vaccines to poor countries. Let's not apologise for having the integrities others lack Sarah oh I could just feel it going into the side of Boris and Joe as well with that with that those few lines there but look at truly you are right because you know we know this and people should be aware of this I know we want it in our arms first but until the world receives its quota and level Sarah this is going to continue to be a big problem it is. And, you know, you have to look to the long term as well. Other countries are going to remember how other countries behaved during the crisis. And this is the time when you set your reputation. So, you know, the UK won't, now officially they don't have a ban on exporting, but suddenly for some mad reason, they don't happen to be exporting any vaccines whatsoever. And yeah, the US has said, no, they're not going to export vaccines. And they actually have AstraZeneca vaccines sitting in warehouses that the FDA hasn't approved, but they still won't let them have um, us have them here in Europe where it is approved. And, you know, that stuff is going to be remembered. And all those poor countries who are being left on the sidelines, they're going to remember who treated them well and who didn't. So I think geopolitically and morally, I think there's a moral issue attached to all of this vaccine procurement as well. But you do have to just pause before you start rushing into big decisions. So the whole EU approach has been about solidarity. So I know there are some people who think that the EU has been too slow. So Ireland should just dump it, ring up the head of Pfizer. Don't they employ thousands of people here in Ireland? Don't they have a good tax regime? And we should open the checkbook and buy whatever we can from Pfizer. But we can't run around doing the dirt on our partners in the European Union because that would be remembered too then. Let's say next year when we're discussing um, negotiations that are still going on over Brexit and we need favours or favours, not favours, but agreements on tax and all yep. of these things. You have to treat people well in the bad days if you want to be treated well in your bad day, you know. Mm. So, and so solidarity is a really important factor here and I wouldn't dump it just because we're all in a panic at the minute. And you even have a decent word for a man called Mr Phil Hogan. Well, you see, when all of the row was going on last year over Golfgate, I was a bit worried that by taking out someone as senior and as influential as Phil Hogan, when the biggest trade deal of the century was being negotiated to procure all these vaccines, that it wasn't exactly going to help matters. And then what did we have a few months later? The EU triggering Article 16 to try and ban exports from Northern Ireland. Like that created a huge crisis, which we're still really not over. Mm. And I like to be a 
practical person, Jerry, I'm sure so do you. Would that have happened if Phil Hogan was in the job? I don't think it would have. Yes. And and you know, and it's and I think, you know, while I'm praising the EU approach, it does look like there have been weaknesses in their deal, especially with the AstraZeneca one. And he was the guy in in the job and doing it very, very well by all accounts and was it wise to take him out when we were all in a rage about golf, you know, so just something to think about, I suppose, isn't yes, it? Yes, and there was a cue to take him out, so we know that anyway. Sure, Phil didn't uh, worry too much about people who didn't get on him, but there you go. Anyway, you make a, an interesting point indeed. So the message today is, look, uh, we're nearly there, just bear with it, Sarah. And I think that's people want reassurance on this, especially when you're hearing these things coming at us every few hours to say, oh, look at this, has gone, oh, we can't have that. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and you know what? The worst thing you can do, actually, is they call it doom scrolling on Twitter. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners are on Twitter. Hopefully not too many of them because it's a desperate waste of time. But I'm on it. And you can just scroll down the page with all these negative comments, rumours about what other countries are doing, that some country is getting extra vaccines that they're not entitled to. And it does you no good, particularly when I have checked in and researched all these things that are being said, and I've researched them very carefully, and it turns out 95% of it is all rubbish. <laughs> so you, like it really, really is. I spent, I spent about three hours last week calling Brussels to try and find out about a supposed deal that Malta had got and that Malta got extra vaccines. And when I looked into it, of course, there was nothing in it. So, you know, the uh, weather's getting lovely and mild now and there really is a lot to be said for going out for a walk and uh, with your LMFM being streamed on your phone. Good woman! (laughs) You're saying all the right things, but you know what I'm thinking here just before we go? The most hated man in the world is probably the fellow who uh, invented the atomic bomb because of the absolute destruction uh, that uh, could cause and may cause in the future. I'm starting to think the fellow who invented the World Wide Web has a lot to answer for. (laughs) Well, you know, I try to be balanced about everything. And the web is amazing. Like, I can sit here and do a lot of work. I know, I know. A lot of work from home. But, yeah. You really, really do have to disregard a huge amount of it. And I have three kids here and they come telling me fun facts that they've seen on the web. And I say, check, check every single thing you are told and from a good source, because uh, as especially on Facebook and stuff like that, you'll be sent links to alarming stories and they're they're nonsense. It's rubbish. Just switch it off. You are so good and you're so kind to give us your time today and talk to us. And I say to listeners, do read this wonderful woman in The Independent. She's fantastic and she'll make you think. And that's what great journalism is about. To stop and think. And as you're saying there yourself, Sarah, check out and question. That's what it's all about. You're brilliant. Keep on doing what you're doing. And I'm delighted you joined me today. Thanks so much, Terry. I'm the better for hearing from you, OK? God bless you. Take care of yourself. The wonderful Sarah Carey there. Uh, never a dull moment with Sarah. She's brilliant. She really is fantastic. And that rounds off late lunch on this Monday of St. Patrick's Week. We're back tomorrow. We're off Wednesday. We're back tomorrow. Professor Paul Moyne. Oh, you're dying to know what he has to say about AstraZeneca, aren't you? And other things as well. He's with us tomorrow. John Lowe is with us. The pensions anomaly. Are you a woman listening to me today? There is an anomaly. If you're a woman, as against men and the whole pension thing, John Lowe will explain tomorrow. And Tony Griffin, all-star hurler, brilliant hurler, is with us because he's written this most wonderful book about mental health in teenagers. All coming up on your late lunch tomorrow. I'm away for a walk. 
What day is it? Is it 26 or 27? Sure, it doesn't matter. I'm looking forward to it. Eddie's coming next with the drive. We'll see you for Tuesday's late lunch at 1.30. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strahda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.